Now you understand that the video is not just for the graduates. You understand it's for you and me. And you understand that the sermon hymn that we just sang is not just for the graduates. It's for you and me. For many, many, many decades on graduation day for our eighth graders, we would sing that hymn, Let Us Ever Walk With Jesus. And whenever we do sing it, it always brings back many a memory, many an emotion, as my two boys graduated from this place. Let us ever walk with Jesus, follow His example pure, through a world that would deceive us and to sin our spirits, Lord. Onward in His footsteps treading, pilgrims here our home above, full of faith and hope and love. Let us do the Father's bidding. Faithful Lord, with me abide. I shall follow where you guide. If I were to speak to graduates all over this country, I would say one thing to them. No matter what else you do with your life, live your life with honor. Whatever else you do with your life, Wherever you go, whatever job you have, whatever family situation you end up having, every single day do one thing. Live your life with honor. When we studied the book of Philippians, small group study about a year ago, when we looked at Philippians, there is part of his letter where he says to them, grow in your knowledge of your Lord and Savior. Never stop growing in your knowledge of Him. Because when it comes time to make decisions, you will do the honorable thing because you have saturated yourself in God's Word, His promises, His commands, His desires. And when a situation comes up, the more you're saturated in Him, the more easy does it become to take the honorable step to do the honorable thing. One of the greatest blessings of our parochial school ministry is exactly that. Sorry, they're saturated in God's Word. No apologies for that. They are saturated in God's Word. Many, many years ago, some parent came in to register their kid for the school, and they said, are you going to shove religion down my, down my child's throats? Oh my goodness gracious. I'm glad we saturate them in God's Word. Because the more you and I are saturated, the more they're saturated in God's Word. When a circumstance comes up, which it will for our 8th graders next year when they head off to high school, it'll happen almost instantly. When a situation comes up, we pray they do the honorable thing. If I'm looking for somebody in the Bible to wrap this theme around, I could certainly head to Joseph. They're in the book of Genesis, chapter after chapter. Young Joseph thrown into the pit, listening to his brothers discussing murdering him. God sends the slave traders from Egypt. They pick him up, and off Joseph goes. The boy is 17 years of age. He doesn't end up in the copper mines by the grace of God. 
where he would have lived for about 18 months and then died, he ends up in Potiphar's house. And after three years of working as Potiphar's servant, Potiphar realizes he is one of the most gifted individuals on planet Earth right in his midst. And if there's one thing that Potiphar notices about Joseph, not only his intellect and his skills, but how honorable a man he is. He puts everything under Joseph's control. All his property, all his finances, he put everything under Joseph's control. And you know the rest of the story. Potiphar's wife comes to him and and suggests certain things. And Joseph says, how can I do that and sin against God? Because he did the honorable thing. He ends up in prison for quite some time. But you know the end of his story, right? Twenty years later, he's second in command to Pharaoh himself. He's administrating not the property of Potiphar. He's administrating the wealth of Egypt. And when that famine comes, he's in charge of all of it. Why is he put in charge? Because he is a man of honor. And the great Pharaoh looks at him and he says, It's a man of honor. And the greatest test of his honor will come when his brothers arrive. They haven't seen him in 20 years. They don't recognize him. He recognizes them instantly. 20 years after they have ruined his life, here they come looking for grain. What shall this man of honor do? Shall he wreak his vengeance upon them? Will he throw them into prison for the rest of their days? What shall this man of honor do? He forgives them. He doesn't let them off the hook easy. He says, what you did to me was meant for my harm, but my God, whom I honor, has turned it into good. He forgives them. Great man of honor. I could head his direction. I could head the direction of the lady on Mother's Day, Naomi. You want to talk about a woman of honor? She's there in Judah, and everyone's dying because of the famine. And she says to Elimelech, her husband, let's go to Moab. And he said, no, we can't go there. They worship idols there. We can't go there. And Naomi says to him, is our God only a God here? I mean, if we go to Moab, will our God disappear? This woman of great honor said to her husband, let's go to Moab. We shall take our God there. And you know that story if you were here. She honors her God. They have their sacrifices in the home and the neighbors see it. And her boys, Malon and Killian, see it. And the women they marry see it. This great woman of honor, honoring her family and honoring her God. And what shall happen when her husband dies? Shall she no longer be a woman of honor? What shall happen when her two boys die? Will she shake her fist at God and say, I lived my life in honor to you, and here's how you treat me? Shall she give up her honor when the storms come? Shall you and I give up our honor when the storms come? If anything, she grew closer to her God. Kneels down in her house and she prays when her husband dies. Kneels down in her house when her boys die. She kneels down, she gives honor to God. 
Be with me, God, in the midst of a nightmare that I don't know if I can get through. Be with me, God. And when this woman of honor says to the two daughters-in-law, going back home, going to go back to Bethlehem, it is Ruth who stands at the border of Moab and Judah and says to her, I have watched you, Naomi. I have watched you. Your life is in honor to God. And then she says those words. Your people shall be my people and your God, whom you honor with your life. Your God shall be my God. I could head those two directions. Live your life with honor. But I want to throw Daniel into the mix. Daniel chapter 1, first 18 verses. Nebuchadnezzar has come, Babylon has come, the mighty, mighty, mighty empire. And they have swept through Judea, Israel, and Judah. And as part of their sweeping through, they come out of that area with many goods. And they come out with many slaves. Once again, uh, many of the slaves are sent to the left, put on the left-hand side, sent into the copper mines. They will die after a year and a half, two years. But if you look carefully at the story in Daniel chapter 1, Nebuchadnezzar, very wise king, he says, I want you to go to the families of the nobles. I want you to go to the royal families in Israel. And he doesn't say, I want you to kill them. Most kings would have said, I want you to kill off the noble families because I don't want any trouble coming from them, not Nebuchadnezzar. He said, I want you to go to the royal families and I want you to pull out the sons and the daughters and I want you to bring them to my palace. I want to train them how to worship our gods, what our culture is like, what our language is like. I want to train the best of the best from the nation we've conquered. That's exactly what he did. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were four of the young men. He's 15 years of age, thereabouts, when this happens. And the first thing that happens is the steward in charge of Daniel says to him and his three comrades, You're the luckiest person on planet Earth. The king has wrapped his mantle of protection upon you. And the first thing you shall receive from the king is food from the royal table. <laughs> and Daniel looks at the steward and he says to him, Where does the food come from? And the steward said, It's food that's offered up to the idols and then it's placed on Nebuchadnezzar's table. And this 15-year-old, this sophomore in high school, he says to the steward, I shall honor my God in this country. I shall honor my God in this country where I'm a captive. And the first way I shall honor Him is to give Him praise and thanks. And the second way I shall honor Him... I shall not deviate from what he has commanded. Law of Moses, I cannot eat food that's been offered up to idols, and there is certain food you eat that I cannot eat. 
And the steward is a kind man, thank goodness. And he says to him, I'll do what you ask. But if you get sick, it's my head going to be on the chopping block. Daniel said, give me ten days and see what God shall do. And ten days later, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they're the healthiest of the lot. He's lived his life with honor. We bump into him when he's 15. The next time we see him, he's 70. How do you like that? See him when he's 15, then we see him when he's 70. Because when he's 70 years of age, that's when the lion's den comes into play. That's when Daniel's showing the lion's den. What's happened in all those years? He's lived his life with honor. Everything he does, he lives his life with honor. There were 64 provinces in this Babylonian empire. 64 provinces. Each one of them had a council. A satrap, they were called. And of the 64 satraps that existed to run the empire, the top one, the head one, the great administrator was none other than Daniel. He lived his life with honor after one king after another. Nebuchadnezzar and Darius and Cyrus. And he's the top dog now. They have come to him throughout the years and they've said to him, Daniel, uh, let's do this. You know, a little bit shady here, but let's do this. It'll benefit you and me and it'll benefit the kingdom. And Daniel would say, no, it's not an honorable thing to do. One after another, after another, suggestions would come from the other satraps. And Daniel would say, it's not an honorable thing to do. And finally, they've grown to hate him. So intensely, they want him dead. 600 years later, it'll be the scribes and Pharisees who want Jesus dead. Where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, James 3.16, there is discord in every evil thing. Graduates, fraternity brothers, sorority sisters, wherever you work, If you do the honorable thing, will you be popular? If you do the honorable thing, will you be loved by everybody? The answer is no. No. If you do not go along with what the rest of the peers go along with, you'll not be praised and honored. If you do not say what they want you to say, You'll not be praised and honored. If you see a wallet lying there in the hallway of your school and you pick up that wallet and are ready to take it to the principal's office, they'll say, what a fool you are. It's right there in front of you. Walk away with the money. If someone is cheating on some exam, and this is a crucial exam, it could gets you into the U of I or Northern Illinois University, and someone says to you, I already got the questions and the answers. You give me 20 bucks, I'll give it to you. And you sit and say, no, it's not the honorable thing to do. Will you be praised? Will everyone bow down and say, man, you're really something? I don't think so. 
doesn't happen that way. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And when we're not of the world, we do not get treated with great honor and respect. It may well be that on the 20th class reunion of your high school, it may well be that someone will come up to you and say, I really have felt badly the way we treated you all that time. You always did the honorable thing and we kind of walked away from you and pushed away from you and made you feel really odd. Maybe they'll come to you and they'll say, but you know something, throughout the last 20 years, whenever I had to make a difficult decision, one that required honor, I actually thought about you. I actually thought about you, 17 years of age, having the courage to say to the rest of us, that's not the right thing to do. And so many times when I thought about you, I said, if he could do that when he's 17 years of age, then I can do that thing of honor now. Sometimes it happens that way. Live your life with honor. And the more you're saturated in Him and in His Word, the easier it becomes. What would Jesus do? How shall they deal with Daniel? They hate him so much they want him dead. I had a gentleman in this church, he'd be here later today, he retired some 20 years ago when he was 63. Two years after he retired, I said to him, Did you retire too soon? And he said, Paul, the higher up the ladder I climbed, the more people there were there trying to kick the spokes out of my wheels. And the higher up the ladder I climbed, the more people would come to me and say, do this, I know it's a little bit shady, but, but do this, everything's fine, no one will be caught, company will make a lot of money. He said, the higher up I climbed, the more my honor was always put at risk. And when I would say no to them, instead of respecting me, they would despise me. I did not retire too soon. I'm glad to be out of that. What will they do with Daniel? Someone, one of the safe tracks said, let us, uh, let us accuse of, uh, him of embezzling money. Let us falsify reports and put it on him. And the other safe trap said, are you kidding me? He's lived his life with honor for 50 years. No one will believe that. Another satrap said, he's always negotiating with other countries. Let us accuse him of treason. Let us accuse him of padding his own pockets. And the other satrap said, are you kidding me? He's lived his life with honor all of this time. No one will believe your words. And then one of the satraps said, his God, his God is the way which shall bring him down. For everything he does, is connected with his desire to honor his God. And the light bulb went off. 
They went to the king. They said, you're the greatest king we've ever had. We should set aside a month where no one worships or prays any god except you. And if they disobey your command, let's show them in the lion's den. They knew exactly what Daniel would do. Huge smiles on their faces. They knew exactly what he would do. Seven o'clock in the morning, they're outside of his house. And they watch him throw open the doors to Jerusalem. And they watch him kneel down and they watch him pray to Jehovah. And in the afternoon, they're there. In the evening, they're there three times a day. And then they gather more and more people hiding in the bushes to observe this. And then they bring it to the king. Someone in the nation has sinned against your edict. And the king says, who? And they say, Daniel. And the king is crestfallen, turns pale, says, I can't do this to Daniel. They said, you have no choice. You signed the degree. The king was a man of honor. He didn't want to execute an innocent man, kind of like Pontius Pilate. But he has to go along with the decree. The Bible says he went the whole night without sleep. The Bible says first thing in the morning is standing there. And he's saying to Daniel, has your God saved you? The God whom you have honored to the point of your death. Has your God saved you? And Daniel, the only lion in that den with a voice, Daniel, the lion of God, said, My God has saved me. An angel came, shut the mouths of the lions. And then the king took all of those who had plotted against Daniel. He threw them into the lion's den, and the lions are pretty hungry. And then the king said, The God whom you have honored is the God of this world. And from that time on, the people in his land worship Jehovah. Honor, folks, honor, 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 time, talents, treasures, honor when you get a paycheck. What's the honorable thing to do? I'm going to use 100% of it for me. Not the honorable thing to do. If God has given me this, I'll gladly give him a percent back. The honor, the honor, time, talents, treasures. How do you honor God? Closing word, wedding. I was out in... Yellowstone National Park, seven years ago, did a wedding for Ellie Kuharski out in Bozeman, Montana. And when I'm at Yellowstone on vacation, Connie, our oldest grandchild, Miles, is along. I lose my wallet, get out of the car, go look at some geysers, and, uh, you know, six hours later I'm reaching for my wallet, it's gone. I go to headquarters and I say to them, you know, someone took my wallet while I was looking at the geysers. And they said, sorry, nothing we can do. It was two weeks later, we were back home, and there came a package, UPS, a brown box. And I, when I opened the box, there was my wallet. We had canceled credit cards and everything else, but there was my wallet, all the money was in it, all the credit cards were in it, and I'll never forget the note, it said this, 
found your wallet in the parking lot by Old Faithful Geyser. Everything is in your wallet. I never opened it except to see your name and address on your driver's license. And then the individual wrote, Do not send me a thank you. You don't need to. I live my life with honor to God. That's what he wrote. I live my life with honor to God. Let me have a prayer with you. So Lord, it isn't just for the graduates. Moms and dads already worried, what are, what are they gonna, what's going to happen with my child when they leave Trinity and head to a public high school? What's going to happen to my child? And when a, a parent is celebrating the, Anna, the graduation of their senior in high school, what's my child going to do when they head off to college or trade school? And so it goes with this thing called life. Heavenly Father, I say at the end what I did at the beginning, if we do nothing else with our life except to live our life with honor, it is the greatest thing we could ever do. Keep us close to you, Lord. Help us to walk in your commands. In our Savior's name, amen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.